Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast with the goal to hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Logan Matisti and my co-host over here, Colton Wright. Wow, this feels weird doing it the opposite way. Yeah, we're not robots. <laughs> yeah, we got to switch it up right yeah, now and then exactly. I guess that's the biggest complaint so far. <laughs> so what you been up to this July so far that's passing by quickly? Man, it's passed by fast. I, I don't know about you, but I've been busy, busy, busy. Yeah, I mean, 4th of July was super busy that weekend, but we kind of went into that. And then we had a big day where we were supposed to all go hang out at the river or something. Yeah. And we hung over at Megan and Remington's twice. Yeah. Got to play some Catan. Yeah. What did you think of Trails to Rails? That was good. That was good. It's a different I mean, I mean, I lost terribly, so it wasn't good, <laughs> you know, but it was good. <laughs> When everyone else had their stuff all spaced out, and I was like, dang it, I should have picked better land. <laughs> right. It seemed like, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I, like Remington, I think, has the best luck with numbers. Oh, yeah. Like that time we were playing Catan, and he like got the fives. Uh-huh. And I was so frustrated because he had like all the fives, and we just kept rolling fives. It was like, what in the world? Mm. How are you getting all these fives? Yeah. Definitely, for sure. Anyway, how have you been? I'm doing pretty good. Tired, staying busy. Been playing disc golf yeah. quite a bit. Trying to get better at that. Might start playing some tournaments next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll That'd see. that be fun. You, uh, you did miss out on our Six Flags trip. Yeah, I had to work that day. Yeah, we got to go to Six Flags with the youth. That was fun. Yeah. Everybody said you guys had a really good time, and then yeah. you're planning on going to the zoo or city museum or something city like that. City museum. I've never been there, but... It's a lot of fun. One of them was talking about it, and we all kind of collaborated. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it <clears throat> when I went as a high schooler and kid. Eventually, I want to go take Scarlet and Kyra to the science museum. I've been told that's nice. Mm-hmm. I always feel like St. Louis is so far away. Compared to Kansas City? Yeah, and it's really not. We're like almost in the middle. Yeah, it's about two and a half, three hours either way. Yeah, it's just, it's really not that far. But to me, it seems like it's really far because yeah. I came from Kansas City area. So Kansas City's just not that far away. I mean, it's like four or five hours from St. Louis when you're in Kansas City, I think. Yeah, which really isn't that far. Right. But it is kind of far. But I mean, like when I was growing up, like... It was super far was always Branson. Oh, that yeah. That was a four-hour trip. <laughs> I thought Branson was long when I was, when we were in Kansas City, and it was, what, a three? Well, it's probably push it. It's almost a four-hour trip. Mm-hmm. But it was always fun. It's where we went vacationing a ton when I was growing up. Yeah. About once or twice a year. That's where we were at. We always did the Dixie Stampede. Uh-huh. And then it got expensive. I just, it bored me. Yeah. Like, you've seen it once, and it's really cool, and then once you see it a second time, it's like, oh. They, they don't really, I mean, they change some things up, yeah. but not really at the same time. I mean, you have a buffalo, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to sit there for an hour and a half to see a buffalo. <laughs> yeah. So, how's things been going on spiritual discipline side? Since that's what we're talking about now. Um, I'm still in the, is it disciplining side? That's what I feel like I'm on. 
the other side like i'm being disciplined right <laughs> instead of trying to make yourself disciplined yeah, for it yeah i feel like as i as i try to uh, especially as we are reading don whitney's book i definitely feel like i'm being disciplined about my disciplines yeah i think it's easy to remember like getting ready for classes and teaching and stuff like studying for that but for personal growth yeah and maybe needing to learn how to mix the two together to where you're growing while you're studying for something else. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Because, I mean, what we get together three times a week, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when we do this, that's four. So, dang, we see each other a we lot. We see so each other a lot. <laughs> Surprised we don't kill each other yet. Nah, not yet. But we're not quite a year into podcasting. So, no. Nope. Just. And we only got 15 episodes in. We're doing better. Yeah. I mean, we might get to like a bi-weekly. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to get there. Things yeah. are, are starting to like, I don't know. I keep saying that every <laughs> single that. time. Don't I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> but yeah. So last week we did an introduction into spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and why we should do them. And this week we're going to be talking about pretty much one of the most important aspects of Christian life, right? And how we should intake God's word. Mm -hmm. I really like the way that um, Whitney points it out. He says, there simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of scripture. Essentially, he goes on to describe how we would not understand the law without it. That scripture gives us a picture into the ways and will of God that it also tells us how God wants us to live, and what brings the most joy and satisfaction in life. I really yeah. think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. So for all those who are reading the book, if you're reading the book with us, it's going to be chapters two and three that we're going to go over tonight and try to get this whole two <clears throat> sections into one thing. Yeah, there is a lot in this little section. I mean, I could sit here and talk about any one of these things that he mentioned for an hour easily yeah so it's tough yeah i was looking at my notes for the meditation section i was like oh wow, my gosh. this is a lot yeah when we when we get to that <laughs> section i was just that one hammered me i i like how don whitney used the the story of the tribe that had missionaries that went and they had established this tribe that had become converts and then they had left and so the only interaction this tribe had they had no bible and the only interaction they'd have was an occasional passing by evangelist or preacher that would come by and, and give a sermon. So the, this this tribe was holding on to a few used sermons, mm-hmm. manuscripts for their scriptures. Well, I don't even think they had manuscripts. They may not have manuscripts. I think yeah. it was just from memory. So they, they had just had these basically warmed up food, and that was their only diet. And from that, there was immorality. He said there, there was basically no difference between this church and the exterior culture. There was nothing. And he deducted what the problem was is they didn't have a Bible in their own language. And right. so they set out to give them Bibles in their language. And he said, you watch the church transform mm-hmm. by simply reading God's word, having it in their language, and, and just letting it soak in. Right. I mean, if you think towards the way that David Platt's radical, mm-hmm. and I know that that's a scary word 
or like offensive word to some people to talk about David Platt. But I mean, the way Radical started, it was talking about missionaries and how in one night, David Platt had to cover, like took eight hours to cover the story of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And these people like left their livelihoods to go do that for one night. Yeah. And then asked him to stay again and had him cover the whole New Testament the next day. I mean, that's how important scripture should be to us. Mm-hmm is that we should have a want and hunger to learn more, to study deeper into it. Yeah, we should want to study deeper. I mean, you have, today in our information age, we have so much stuff coming at us that it's so easy for us to supplant Bible reading with our phones. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest culprits right there. Mm -hmm. Um, TV, obviously. But one thing that convicted me before we jump into this about just the time aspect is not just TV and phones, but time in general. Right. Like you have to set a time to read. You can't just always be on the go trying to get your Bible intake. Mm-hmm. You really need to sit down. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about how Christianity is important. Like the gospel is one of the most important parts of the Christianity, but you won't understand the gospel without looking at scripture and understanding scripture. Yeah. I kind of like the way that David Mathis in his book, Habits of Grace quotes John Piper says, hearing the word of the cross and preaching it to ourselves is the central strategy for sinners in the fight of, for joy. Yeah. That's the important thing about scripture is it's not just there to read and enjoy. I mean, that should yeah. be a great part of it, but we're also doing this to preach to ourselves, to grow in ourselves. Yeah. It's, one of the reasons that we mm-hmm. get conformed to the image of God so that mm-hmm. we can understand how God wants us to live as Donald Whitney put it. Yeah. I love one of the uh, analogies Donald Whitney uses in the book about uh, there's two men and they go out in the field and there's a tree mm-hmm. and they go to pick fruit from the tree. And the one man gathers enough fruit in, in his basket and he goes away and the other man digs up the tree and he takes it back to his house. And he plants it. Which one's going to eat longer? Yeah. The man that put the tree. And he said, oh, I didn't write that quote down. Um, I think it was from George Whitfield or, or John Wesley. I'll have to look that up. But he said, a man can no more take in enough grace for a day oh, than you can breathe, or air for the day. That's not John Wesley. That's Moody. Dale Moody. Dale Moody. Okay. I knew it was a big guy. It was... Yeah. We'll get to the full okay. quote later on because I got it written down because it was really good. Like David Mathis points to this too. He's like, there's a difference between merely reminding ourselves of truth and preaching to ourselves the truth of the gospel. There is. You can do that oversight reading, you know, when you're crammed for time and you're getting ready to go to work. Okay, I got it. And then you shut the book. Yeah, I read my Bible. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I understand what it's about. Okay, we're good. I mean, don't get us wrong. Like, that's an important part of scripture, too. Like, we should definitely read for breath. Yeah. And when we talk about reading through later on, we'll kind of go into an analogy of a boat cruising on a lake with that. Yeah. You know, one of the analogies that I really liked for Bible reading was how Whitney compared it to colleges or Mm. like a college. Yeah. He's like, it's much like a university composed of many colleges, each specializing in a different discipline. Yeah, all under the general name of the university for biblical intake. 
And David Mathis goes on and says, good Bible reading is no mere science. It is an art. The Bible itself is a special compilation of great artistries. And the best way to learn the art of reading the Bible for yourself is this. Read it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You know how many people, you know, you ever been in that casual discussion? They're like, I'll tell you what works, how, what you need to do. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then usually it's it's great advice. But the point is you, you have to take like what works really for you. It's not a cookie cutter thing. No, I mean, there's multiple ways that things fall on your plate. Mm-hmm. Like different seasons in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of these sub-disciplines that are in biblical intake? Sub-discipline would be... Number one. Let's do number one. Number one. Oh, I don't think I wrote it in order. It's hearing God's word. <laughs> hearing God's I didn't write it in order. I just wrote it down. Oh, man. We were trying to follow the book through. We were trying to follow the book through. I was excited and just making notes. <laughs> That's all right. Yep. So hearing God's word is the first one that Donald Whitney takes. Yeah. And he said it was also the easiest. Right. But it's one that we also have to discipline ourselves for. Yeah. Which, well, it is the easiest, especially in today's technology. He mentions cassettes, but today it's just as easy as your phone. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube. Sermon audio. Sermon audio. Podbean. Yeah. I mean... Most podcasting sites. Yeah. But then, of course, the most important one probably is going to a local church. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually, one wonderful thing about technology is Facebook. You can listen to right. your church, but also go to your church, be under leadership, so on and so forth. And hopefully not just on Sundays. Right. It's not something that we go through just once. Mm-hmm. So even though we say this, like, what are some biblical verses that we can point to about how important it is to listen to God's word? Caught you off guard, didn't you I? You did catch me off guard. All right. Um, go for it. First one is one of them that I teach Wednesday night, except mm-hmm. you were teaching youth, is out of Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When Jesus was talking to the people about how... A demon will leave one person because they've been cleaned and come back and see it's clean and bring seven more. Mm-hmm. And this woman shouts out, blessed is the woman who bore you in her womb and who breastfed you, basically. And Jesus is like, no, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Another big one, Romans ten seventeen. Can you think of what that is? How shall they hear without a preacher? Yeah. Close enough. So yeah. faith comes from hearing, hearing and hearing, hearing the through the word of God. Yeah. How shall they hear without a preacher or so, or a messenger? Mm-hmm. I mean, even Paul to Timothy says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Mm-hmm. So not only is it important to hear it, but somebody needs to proclaim it. And I mean, that's what goes on in Romans 10 as well. Yeah. It's important to listen to it, but also be i think be under authority like preaching not just not just having your regular intake be this audio version but really being supplanted in a small group which is wonderful but most importantly in a large body of christ right and i kind of think like the way that donald whitney puts this too is like just because we're saying so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of christ 
that doesn't mean like you have to listen to a sermon to be saved. No. That's not what we're saying. I mean, no. ultimately, like that's the way that people get to be saved is through learning scripture. Through the proclamation order, of yeah. the gospel. Exactly. But sometimes it could be reading the gospel. Sometimes it could be many other things. I kind of liked how he took Jeremiah Burroughs' quote. It says, first, when you come to hear the word, if you would sanctify God's name, you must possess your souls with what it is you are going to hear, that what you are going to hear is the word of God. Therefore, you find that the apostle writing to the Thessalonians gives them reason why the word did them so much good as it did. It was because they heard it as the word of God. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. I mean, we understand that preachers and teachers are doing their own thing, but they're reading from scripture, which if you look at 2 Timothy 3.16, mm-hmm. says for all scripture, yes. God breathed breathe. yeah. by God. Or something similar to that. Yeah, God, God breathed the breath of God. Yeah. Theonustas. Theonustas. It's always a fun word to say. It is a fun word to say. But it, it kind of humbled me too when I was reading this passage and he talked about going to the Vietnamese church one time mm-hmm. and how they would go in there. And he's right. Most of the time our churches are loud, noisy fellowships at the beginning of service. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's always good to have a good fellowship. I mean, that's signs of a healthy church sometimes. Yeah. As long as there's not too many cliques. Yeah, as long as everyone's not separated to themselves. But he was talking about how these people, whether they come in early or come in late, they always take a second to go into the seats and to pray and get mm. ready to hear the word of God. And it kind of remembers that or reminds me that we don't, put that importance always Mm -mm. we don't really put that importance on i mean just our simple bible study and in small groups you know i think of that at preaching definitely you know on sunday i'll be the first one to say i'm guilty of it not actually reflecting praying just for the message as it's going to be 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 bore to the congregation Mm -hmm. um like there might be one during the offering which yeah, we automatically routinely routinely say, mm-hmm. but it's remembering that it's something we should be constantly praying about in the morning. Yeah, those routines are good, but they're not the ends to themselves. It, you shouldn't just go through the motions, right? It kind of gets you into a form of a legalistic mindset yeah. sometimes, yeah. and doesn't really do you much good later on. Yeah, it's hard to break a. Um, it's hard to do self reflection when you're only doing routine. Or just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That would be the first one. The second one. The second one I have marked. You have marked the I second one? I have marked reading God's word. Yep. <laughs> just how important is reading God's word? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness and his first temptation mm-hmm. from Satan is to turn stones to bread, right? And Jesus replies to him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, if all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, which is 2 Timothy 3.16, mm-hmm. 
which is what we said earlier. Well, obviously, all scripture should be important enough that we should compare it to eating for our daily sustenance. Well, it is our daily substance of of God. Substance. I think it's sustenance. Sustenance. I don't know. But, We're yeah. trying to use big words, and it's probably not working. <laughs> uh, stuff. <laughs> the stuff that you need for our daily yeah. daily bread. Daily yes, bread. Daily That's bread. What we... Food. It's a biblical term. Biblical term. Yeah. I like how Jesus said multiple times when he was confronted by the Pharisees or even his own disciples, have you not read? Mm-hmm. Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? You know, how important is reading God's word? Very important because God spoke it. It's from the mouth of God. You you don't get much closer to that. Then you see Jesus recalling that when he was correcting people, um, when he was uh, teaching and so on and so forth. I mean, even in the prologue to where John the Apostle wrote Revelation, Mm -hmm. he says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. I thought this was an interesting statistic. Do you know that only 11% of Americans read their Bible every day? Is that the one before the Barna Group? believe so okay yeah and i mean with that one it's kind of like okay that's including all americans so like not christians and people like that but i mean even the statistic later on from the barna group wasn't even really much better no it might be a quarter or less think about how many professing christians there are Mm -hmm. yeah every day but i guarantee we pick up our phones multiple times every day yeah and i i know especially like one of my bad habits is like when i'm not doing anything like i'll automatically reach for my phone and, and but how much is that facebook <laughs> how much is that a muscle memory to yeah. do that so you can you can learn those habits of reading facebook right or reading god's word it, it, the habits are there we just got to break it yeah i really like the quote from john blanchard that donald whitney puts says surely we only have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems, temptation, and pressure? Every day. Then how often do we need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. Mm -hmm. To catch all these felt needs up into an even greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face, hear his voice, feel his touch, and know his power? The answer to these questions is the same. Every day. As the American evangelist D.L. Moody puts it, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future that he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. And I enjoyed the next part here. Mm Mm-hmm. How do we go about reading God's word? Yeah. What are some practical suggestions to do it? Yeah. I mean, what's the guideline here? Obviously, the first one and most important one is find the time to and devote time to it. That is hard. Yeah. When you're not in the routine. Yeah. And I like Paul Washer, and it's not specifically him talking about just devotions or just prayer, but he starts off like and explains like, there are people who have an hour prayer life, right? 
If you don't have an hour of prayer life, don't start off trying to do an hour of prayer life. It's not how it works. You're going to burn yourself out pretty fast. Yeah. Now, start off with like easy, like 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take super long to read through the Bible in a year. You might have to take like 15 minutes a day. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's, oh, what does he say? Keep going. I'll look at what he says there. Yeah. And I mean, even thinking about finding the time to read it, easiest thing is, second, is to find a Bible reading plan. I know last year we've done the Machane reading plan, which mm-hmm. has you read through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once and also the Psalms twice. And that was pretty easy. We were pretty bad at staying disciplined and doing it. Yes. But their version app definitely has a way for you to find reading plans throughout all of scripture, even through specific books or even specific topics. And you can even keep each other accountable through it because you can invite other people to read it with you and they can comment and things like that. I think one of the most important things too is when you uh, jumping, kind of blending the two, time and reading plan, because you kind of mm-hmm. got there. The big thing is not to get discouraged when you're in this, because we tend to think, I missed a day. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm a loser. <laughs> yeah, I was a month behind at one point in time. I'm I was a sure. few weeks. Yeah. But you feel like, okay, man, and then you, you get discouraged, you get down, so you don't even, you push it off. In reality... Just get back on the horse and keep going. Yeah. Just keep going on it. And then um, the finding time. This is what Don Whitney I thought was interesting because I'm really bad about this. I always find time usually at night. Right. Well, what are you doing? When, when, when do we always read our Bible? At night before we're getting ready to go to sleep. Yeah. Which oh, is, which I know is what good. you're talking about now. Which is good. Right. You should do it. But he says, (laughs) this is funny, how much sinning do you do in your sleep? Right. Not very much. Yeah. Hopefully. And that's why he says that she should do it in the mornings is because you can use that to help go through the day. Yeah. I thought that is a great way to do it because I never, I'm really bad about before I go to sleep, I'll read my Bible verses and I go, you know, and then I, then I doze off. But yeah, I can kind of meditate on God's word, you know, but. What about in the morning when I'm stressed mm-hmm. the next day? Where's God's word there when I need it? I don't. I need it at the end of the day, but I need it at the beginning of the day too. Right. So this is us saying do both. No. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm at a point to where doing it during the day is a great idea, but I know that there are people who are night owls too. And yeah, do it whenever like your sharpest mentally is yeah. the best time to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to do in the mornings for that exact reason, but if you're not a morning person and you need like three or four coffees to wake up in the morning, yeah, I'd rather you do it at night so you could actually learn something than just breeze through it. And try to remember that, well, we'll get on the next part to help to the other (laughs) thing. I'm not going to jump ahead there. Yeah. But the the, the Bible reading plan, you mentioned, yeah, we we did ours, but there's many different types, many different ways to do a Bible reading plan. Right. You don't necessarily have to read the entire Bible, like you said, in a whole time period. You can do it topical. Although, I would definitely suggest that every Christian has you to sh- at least once. You should. I, I, I think There's would, no reason not no. to. It would be greatly beneficial to understand the whole narrative of Scripture. Right. But you don't have to do it. It's not like every Bible reading plan, okay, I have to read the Bible 
this year all the way through. Right. No, you can do different studies. Yeah, there's even one that where you do the Bible throughout three years. Yeah, you take your time, walk through it. But I know for me, when I first came to faith, it was easy for me to just open a book and start reading for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to read Leviticus chapter one and two when you get to three and four and five and you you really lose steam about six. Yeah. <laughs> It gets pretty monotonous. I'm just going to switch books real fast. And then by the time you get to numbers, you're like, oh, man, this place is supposed to go to that place. And this tribe gets that land allotment. And they gave this much to the sacrifice. Or you get to Chronicles, First Chronicles. So-and-so begot so-and-so. So-and-so begot so-and-so. And so-and-so generations for this. I get the point. <laughs> yeah. But and, you skip over and it's it is important stuff. It's still God's word. Yep. It's there for a reason. And yep. we're not trying to bore you with like how boring it could be to read scripture. No, scripture no. is really enjoyable and it's something well, as Christians yeah. we need to enjoy. I've found that uh when we did our Bible reading plan last year, mm-hmm. I think I told you this when we did Chronicles, I was like I had bought a commentary. Mm-hmm. And so I actually was going through Chronicles with my commentary because, let's face it, it, it's a tough book. You lose steam. But I went through it with commentary, and he kind of helped me put pieces together. And I saw a lot of information in there that I did not catch, and I wouldn't have caught. Right. And it actually drove me, like, it fueled me to keep going. So I had help, you know, to help guide me through it. Right. To help, as the third step is meditate on at least one word or phrase or a verse yeah each time you read i mean commentaries even sermon listen to that day can be super important and to help expand that knowledge to help memorize to think about what's going on i mean there's multiple reasons that we shouldn't just leave it at the bible reading and i mean we'll talk about that too and meditating is not the Eastern thought of meditation where one sits alone, crisscrossed on the floor and empties yourself of all desires and knowledge and um, no. Just trying to become one with your natural self. Yeah, your natural self. No, meditating is focusing all your, your mental energy on God's word. Just continually bringing it up, churning the soil to produce fruit in your soul. Yeah, I mean... We'll define it real fast as what Donald Whitney puts it. He says, deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture or upon life from a scriptural perspective for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. And we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I figure we should at least define it if we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Did I jump ahead there? We jumped ahead a little bit. Going back to the Bible reading plan, I like this quote from R.C. Sproul which is kind of some sharp words. Here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we study God's word, it should be important to us. We shouldn't just leave it as Dale Moody puts on Sunday. And what really surprised me was the story of the man who had to read Braille. 
Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. Yes. It was in Kansas City, and I'm sure Don Whitney heard this while he was professor in Kansas City at Midwestern. I'd guess. I don't know. I don't know. But that was fascinating. Yeah. This man is in an explosion of some kind and loses both of his hands and his eyes. So, and he just became a new Christian. So what's he going to do? He can't read scripture now. Yeah. And, he and then he learns of a woman who is doing it through her lips, mm-hmm. but he tries doing it through his lips, but his lips have lost their nerve endings too. And then accidentally finds out that he can feel it with his tongue. And so reads the Bible by using his tongue for Braille. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of dedication, I mean, we need to look for and aspire to. Yeah. Jesus talks about his, the parables of like a man who is finds a treasure buried yeah. and then buys the whole plot of land just for it and sells all his possessions. Yeah. Or like finding a diamond or a great pearl. The pearl of, yeah. Because... Here, I don't know if it's because here in America we're just so inundated with so much grace, you could say, a common grace of we have a Bible within arm's reach pretty much every Well, most people have a cell phone, so a Bible's always within reach. Right. But there's, what do we have, 10, 15, 20 different English translations of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the internet. You can pull up multiple different all the, any Bible translation you want, any commentary pretty much you want at your fingertips, and we don't we don't use it. And this man had such dedication to simply just hear God's word. Right. I did anything he could to anything read it. Anything he could. And we have everything that we need, and we don't do it. Right. Yeah. I like the way that Don Whitney illustrates the need for studying or what it's kind of like when we talked about the idea of a boat cruising on a lake. Mm-hmm. So we do do need to read it for breadth, which is kind of like a ship cruising around. Mm-hmm. But studying is like, say that ship has a glass bottom on it to where you can see the bottom of the lake. Not that you could do that in like those arcs. But, it would just brown, brown, brown. But studying is like being in a glass bottom boat and going super slow throughout the lake to see what's in it. I mean, there's biblical people, too, who kind of give us great examples of why we need to have a heart, right? Yeah. I mean, he points to three of them. First one is Ezra. He says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. From Ezra chapter 7 and 10 is where Mm -hmm. that verse is from. But it points to how Ezra had to set his heart to discipline himself to set that time aside so that he could what? study mm-hmm. and why is he studying to do it and teach his statute and rules in israel think of any sport or even playing a musical instrument or doing anything like your job or something else you have to take time to discipline yourself to get better at those things yep. to learn things i mean colton you didn't just wake up one day and you were an irrigation tech well you see now yeah <laughs> You yes. go to conferences and things for that and have and to go classes to classes all the time to learn Busted new knuckles and lots of blood, sweat, and a whole lot of tears. Yeah. I mean, I know Remington, you went to college yep. to become a mechanic. Yeah. I mean, I even went to college to study God's word. Yeah. This stuff doesn't come like naturally. You don't learn your vocation by simply 
waking up one day and having all the knowledge. It takes time, effort, blood, sweat, tears, mm-hmm. pain, and I hate to say it, when it comes to God's word, we should have joy in it, but we should understand that it's not always going to be wonderful daisies and rainbows. Right. It was kind of, I was watching a video on better tips for putting and disc golf. And Philo Philo Breathwaite was like, yeah, what happens on the days where you're slumping? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of like a part of any sport. You kind of, you have your great days of where you're going through, but during those slumps and stuff, you can tell when it's happening for some people, but Mm -hmm. you kind of just continue on practicing and trying to get better and don't let it get to you. Yeah. I think of, (laughs) <laughs> there was I don't know if you ever listened to the sermon from Alistair Begg where he goes off on the worship music is I have to show it to you when we're done it's really funny because I've never seen him get so riled up but he, he gets fired up that he goes to this church and he's on sabbatical or, or on vacation something and he, he goes to this church and he's like there's you know there's a big giant countdown on the board mm-hmm. and, you know five four three and he's Everyone's getting pumped up, and it hits to one, and here just explodes this guy, and all this upbeat music. Everyone's clapping and cheering. Right. And he comes out and says, how do we feel tonight? And Alistair Begg goes, how do I feel? Well, I feel pretty crummy, you know? I kicked the dog this morning, you know? I don't, it doesn't matter what I feel, you know, how I feel. I feel terrible today. Right. It's what I know. But he and he goes on this long. It's what I know. What I know, God's word says. It's what I know is what is true. Mm-hmm. And he he's recalling just that when we put so much emotions in things, right? Like reading God's word. I want to feel the burning. I want to feel this fluttering feeling. I want to feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. I want this to be so enjoyable, which it should be, right? But some days it's not. Some days you still have to do it. And how do you get through it by still meditating by still resting on God's word. Right. Kind of like how the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, 11. Exactly. We're listening to Paul's message that after the people of Thessalonica kicked him out and they received the word with all eagerness and they examined the scriptures themselves to see if the things were true that Paul was teaching. Yeah. And we tell people to be Bereans. Think about how a noble term that has become. Right. And it's been an important part of the Christian faith because it's an example of what we need to do as the church people. Yeah. Yes, we need to listen to our pastors and what they are saying. But pastors aren't always right. Teachers are not always right. And it's the duty of the church to examine the scripture themselves and Mm -hmm. understand what is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of went through a time of that ourselves where... We believed one way in the church that we went to believed differently mm-hmm. and they used scripture to back it up and we're like, okay, if this is kind of an impasse, we don't see scripture in the same light, but you examine to see if it's true. That's yep. all we could ask for. Yep. And you have to, that's a prime example of just using that experience, not to dwell on that at all, but yeah. to know where you stand on things. Right. Because... It's very easy for high-profile preachers today on TV, for instance, that teach things and you don't, God's word is not in it. 
or, or God's word is slightly twisted like other people. I was like, they bend and do gymnastics with scripture to point yeah. it to what they want it to say. To make it like one of those balloon dogs. They just start yeah, bending it exactly. and twisting it and then it explodes. Scarlet just got one of those the other day too. Oh. Nobody wanted to know how to make one. It even gets to the heart of the point of where we see Paul when he's writing to Timothy 2. It says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely know that the books that Paul is asking for is scripture. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's amazing that Paul in his, excuse me, in his imprisonment, he wants God's word mm-hmm. in a time of absolute pain of conflict he is wanting the assurance of god's word Mm -hmm. and this is back when prisons like the government didn't take care of you in prison they didn't get three square meals a day (laughs) yeah like you had to have people bring you the food for you to be comforted yeah i mean think about that if you're in a cold dark damp place chained up no wreck time okay you're just chained up to a guard to a guard who doesn't who could, want you? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't want you? I'm sure he's just peachy and wonderful company and just, you know. And you don't feel like it, but he's asking for God's word. And that just that, that amazes me. Yeah. Because I think of all the times I've been through, to make it personal, all the times I've been through bad instances or uh, the loss of a loved one. And our first instinct is to be reclusive and not draw closer to God's word. Right. But we also get to the point in time where we look at these people and idolizing probably isn't the right word, but it is at the same time. Like we put them on such a high pedestal that when we mess up, like we get insecure about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's issues too of like, oh my goodness, these people were so smart and handled the word so well. I can't even come anywhere near that. Why should I try to do that? And I get it. understand it. And the only way that you're going to get to that point of where they got there is through all the hard work and all the hard studying that they did. Yeah. It's not, yes, some of them had super high IQs. Some of them were super smart. But they still did work and put work into it to get to the points mm-hmm. of where they were. Mm-hmm. And it kind of really leaves us between those laziness and insecurities of what are we going to do to change that? Yeah. I mean, I talked about it on a past episode, an example of from rich dad, poor dad. I mean, the difference was poor people are like, they fantasize about it. They dream about it, but they mm. never try to put the effort into getting there. While the rich people, yeah, we did it. We didn't just leave it at what if we tried to find a problem and a solution to it and didn't quit when it didn't yeah. work or if we did didn't work we tried to make it work with something else and that's going back to don whitney's analogy or the story in the very beginning of the book about the the guitar piano player guitarist guitarist is the guitarist and how he you know takes them and he and he shows them essentially what he could be you know right he says this could be you and what is what is that going to drive somebody it's going to drive them to to practice that much more well when it comes to god's word and intake we we have that same scenario we know what we can become right because as the name of our podcast says 
being conformed to the image of God. We've been conformed to the image of Christ. Right. That is the whole walk of a Christian throughout life. And the, one of the ways you do that is intaking God's word, dwelling on it, meditating on it, repeating it to yourself continually so that you can be like Christ in those temptations. You can slowly be more cut away from culture. Right. And another great topic as we kind of move on to the fourth thing is as we meditate it on it, as we think about it, there are even things that we can do to memorize it. Mm -hmm. David Mathis really put it well. He's like, scripture memory at its best is about feeding your soul today and mapping your life and mind onto the very life and mind of God. Obviously, we're not going to get to the absolute point where we think exactly like God, but it kind of points us in the right direction of understanding his will and finding it. Yeah. Not that we'll get it perfect because we're human and we're still sinful, but you're not going to get it just sitting there. Oh, maybe I'll get it today. Yeah. It's something we got to discipline ourselves to help find. If we don't try to memorize God's word through and, and the processes that we're going to talk about. But if you don't try to memorize God's word, we are like that man, really, that's gathering the fruit from the tree, and you're trying to eat it as you're walking, but you're dropping so much of it. By the time you get home, you, all you have is what's in your two hands. Mm -hmm. You know, you've left so much behind from what you just took. Right. Yeah, I mean, even talks about in times in Scripture. I mean, Psalm 119 is mm -hmm. the largest chapter in the book of the Bible, right? How many verses is it? It's like 100, 176 verses. And most of them are talking about his law, like yeah. reading his law, meditating on his law, studying his law. I mean, Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think about the, the stacking it up so that when sin comes... You have that barrier, that defense against it, like Jesus recalling in the in the wilderness, you know, you shall not live on bread alone. He did that by, I mean, yes, he was God, but memorizing God's word. Right. I mean, that's another one of the things that Don Whitney points towards is in Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11, is that confrontation yeah. between Jesus and Satan. I mean, you have Colossians 3.23, set your minds on the things above and not on earthly things. 323 or 32? 332. Three, I was like, what? 32. <laughs> I, I could have definitely mistyped it. 323. Sure. Everyone go look for that. <laughs> I was like, Roman. Are you thinking of Romans 323? I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I was staring at it. And I saw three and two. I, I do it all the time, too. <laughs> but, I mean, so we understand that memorization can supply spiritual power. I mean, that's the reason why we do it. Yeah. And the example is Jesus' confrontation. But memorization also strengthens our faith. Absolutely. In Proverbs twenty two seventeen through 19, it says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. I mean, that's an important idea. It says, if all of them are ready on your lips. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christians, we need to be ready to have these things in our mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, we might have John 3, 16, 
Yeah. The Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a few others. Don't judge lest you be judged. Yeah. These are yeah. all things, but those don't apply in every situation. No. I, I love the uh, the analogy he uses of the swords. Right. Of You have all these different swords. That's a good sword. You know, John 3, 16, that's a good sword to have. Right. It's not, we're not saying it's terrible. No, but you don't use that sword for everything. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to say when a woman's going through time of lamenting and grief? Yeah. You're not going to spit out for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like, I get that. I mean, you are. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe as an assurance, but it's not necessarily the sword you want to use for a comforting widow or something like that. Especially like if it's somebody who's a Christian already. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's helpful. But what about lamentations what about ecclesiastes what about name scripture yeah. yeah name it i mean there's so many more and to have it's better to have he uses swords i think it's i think like the more like arrows right if you have one arrow in your quiver you're not going to be very good you can only use one arrow so much you can use one arrow and then you got to go back there and pick it up do it again. you have a whole back full of arrows you're going to mm-hmm. be a lot more effective right yeah, and uh, David Mathis continues on. He says, good theology forms our minds in a general way to think God's thoughts after him. But memorized scripture molds our minds with as much specificity as is humanly possible. To mimic the folds and creases in the mind of God, theology gets us to the ballpark, memorize scripture, and to the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like reading these two books to each other. Think. Like, Donald Whitney's is good practical information and like wordy at some points in times, but it's practical. Very practical. Like, and then David Mathis is, has quotes Donald Whitney a lot, but it's kind of like the way that I'm going to say this is like biblical commentaries. Mm. This is the best way I can think to explain it. It's like you get some of that are are technical, Mm -hmm. right? And then you get the ones who are like, the pastoral application ones. Yeah. And David Mathis is like that pastoral application one and Donald Whitney's is more like the technical kind. Very, very cut, but to the point. Right. And David Mathis is like just reading it through and you can understand the application and like still gives you some good theology with it too. Like what he says there and closing on the memorizing scripture strengthens your faith because it repeatedly reinforces the truth. Just reinforces the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like mean, that. and it also prepares us for witnessing and counseling. I mean, you think of yeah. Peter's sermon in Acts or yep. Jesus saying in Luke that the Spirit will teach you what to say before authorities, synagogues, and governments. I can't think of, I think of all the times that I have, not that I'm really good about memorizing scripture, but the times that I have been in a witnessing situation, those memorized scriptures those just regurgitating them, just, just recalling them in that instance, when you don't have a Bible in your hand, because you're out, you know, for me, I'm out digging a trench, you know, it's not really convenient for me to be go, Oh, okay, let me, you know, let's stop and have a conversation. And we have to have this stuff done. So just spitting that out, letting the word of God rest on this other person. Mm -hmm. And that was done by studying God's word. And if I didn't have that, that person really wouldn't have been exposed to it. Yeah, I mean, it's not always beneficial for us to take the time and say, hey, 
uh let me get to proverbs real fast this isn't like a podcast where we yeah. can edit out the time it spends to look for well, think verses about, all the way think about how committed in, in my mind think of how committed you would seem if you were like a christian let's say you're trying to witness to somebody right in a terrible lifestyle and you want to let's say how important god's word is and you can't you can't remember it like i this is a really important passage that i think is going to help you let me find it you're yeah like, so it's not that important for you because you don't know it but it's it's important for me right and it also is a way that provides guidance too i mean psalms 119:24 again your testimonies are my delight they are my counselors Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Yeah. And then ultimately to memorization stimulates meditation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Again, Psalms 119.97. Yeah. And I think it was convicting to me that memorization's always been one of my weakest points. Yeah, mine too. I've been, I'm just terrible at it, especially recalling specific verses. Yeah, I give I mean, you a general can, area. General areas is what we're both pretty good yeah, at yeah. most of the time. Can, I can tell you the verse. Where's that at? Mm, <laughs> I know what book it's in. Yeah, but that's not important. It's like it's it's like going it's like going into the mechanic and be like it's making a ticking sound in the in this area. <laughs> no, I know it's here. It's in this, and I know the sound, Mm -hmm. what it's making. You're like, yeah, that's not helpful. But anyway, he says, you can memorize scripture and how easy it is. Mm -hmm. I thought it was convicting. If you can memorize your phone number, then you can memorize scripture. If you can memorize your address, you can memorize scripture. Literally, if you can memorize anything in the world, you can memorize scripture. Mm -hmm. It's that easy. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll take this time and we'll go, what are some applications that we can do for it? So David Matthews' five simple tips are, the first one is to diversify the passages of scripture that you choose. So it definitely shouldn't just be all out of the Gospels. Definitely shouldn't all be out of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Some should also be in the Old Testament, for sure. Interesting thing he had said was to take it with you during the day. Mm, Yeah. And he pointed to how you could write it out and then stick it on a wallpaper. Of your phone. He also says, seek to understand, feel, and apply the text as you memorize. And we were talking about that earlier, uh, about how you should read the Word of God and read a passage of Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And then you could listen to a sermon on it later that day, read yep. a commentary alongside of it. I mean, mm-hmm. take the time to think and meditate upon it. And then it also says, and one that I'm not really great at, either is to turn your text into praying. Yeah. I mean, Psalms, Proverbs, great text to go through, read, and pray. Yeah. John yeah. 17. Yeah. Jesus, high priestly prayer. prayer. Probably mentioned on the podcast before, one of the most influential books I've ever read was D.A. Carson's Praying with Paul. Mm-hmm. And he mentions how he'd pray through Paul's epistles by opening up and and simply doing what paul does you know grace and peace to you so on and so forth and then he gives on normally into some type of doxology or i mean you've got thessalonians open up right here i I mean just the way he opens it up 
It says, Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and the labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Yeah. Think about how easy it is just by simply opening that up and praying through something that's already a prayer. Right. He's already got it laid out for you. And the wonderful thing is, is praying through it, like D.A. Carson mentions, is you don't have to, you're praying over it, you don't have to sub out every word. Mm-hmm. Make it your prayer. So, you know, um, think somebody in your life, think some spiritual figure in your life, think of someone who's hurting, someone who's maybe had an influence on you, and pray for them with that. I learned of a man who was with William Booth, who was a big evangelist in London. And while he was preaching, there's a man who would lay under the stage and pray for redemption, mm-hmm. for the word to be heard. And there was even a time where like, it didn't sound like anybody was listening. So William Booth like, would bang on the stage and say, man, you're not praying enough. I can't remember what the guy's name is now, but you need to pray harder. And it was just that idea of, of how prayer is just as much an influential part of studying for us. And I mean, we'll go with, into that in the next episode, mm-hmm. but prayer and biblical intake and meditation, all three really have a big intrinsic cycle that we need mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah. They're all related. One flows to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was all that uh, Mathis had to say. No, that was a different, that's not out of either of the books. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's something I learned oh, from somebody right. else. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's no, interesting. So the last thing that David Master says is memorize it in light of the gospel. It's a big thing for application too. Is like, how does this scripture fit into either the law or the gospel? Like, mm-hmm. where does it fit in the story? And that'll help to memorize it too. You realize but, the importance of it in that way. Yeah, You're mean, seeing the block in the wall and not just one block. And we go through it time and time again before of how like we've shown you how the story of the Old Testament and the covenants fit together into the gospel. And mm-hmm. It's that whole meta narrative of scripture as that really helps to bring that, that memorized text to an application point. Because mm-hmm. it's not just going to do good to hear it. It's not just going to be good to read it. It's not just going to be good to write it but scripture is meant to be applied to our lives yeah absolutely so what are some things that Whitney says obviously we've kind of already covered one but have a plan having a plan to to execute I I know we said Bible reading plans but memory plans are the same have a set schedule and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, I'm going to learn these 25 verses, and they're not related at all. Right. 25 verses that just, you know, pick and choose. No, they could be 25 verses, five verses, one verse. Mm-hmm. One verse over a habit that maybe you're struggling with. Maybe something that you uh, 
you feel that you're weak in. Maybe something that you you want to help or bless someone else with, and meditate or, or routinely repeat that that verse to you to memorize that verse. But he mentions to when you, as we go through this about memorizing verses, is memorize the verse exactly. Mm-hmm. Try not to cut corners. Right to do it specifically. Yeah, do it very specifically. The other thing he mentions is to write out the verses. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if you've ever done that. I'm sure you have. Yeah, I started to a couple of times of where I was going to write out, like, manuscript First Timothy once or twice. I will attest that um, while I'm not very good about having a plan with just repeating it to myself or, or, or memorizing certain topical things, um, writing it out is very... I, I've used this personally in my own studies uh, when I went through both when I went through Hebrews, I, Hebrews specifically, I would write five verses, and then I would say what I thought these verses said. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd write them out, and then what I thought they said, and then I'd make connections, and then I'd set it, and then I'd read the next day, and then I'd realize how wrong I was, or yeah. if I was close. And we'll get to that too. Like, I really like one of the examples when he's talking about meditation of how, like, finding the uh, insights from the one verse. And that yeah. story of Acts 1-8 is yeah. hilarious. And uh, anyway, just writing out the verses can be extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawing pictures, which this is something that I have never done and I'm not good be. at it. <laughs> but drawing pictures. Like, like yeah. Pictionary. You're going through, how can I memorize uh, this verse? I know Roman can tell all the Ten Commandments through pictures. Yeah. I mean, which is how do you, you know, so it's really beneficial. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely people who through like classes and stuff while writing notes would doodle and stuff can use that doodling to help grow their knowledge, to help picture and cement that idea into their minds. Yeah. I think it's important that we find a method of accountability. Yes. If we are left to our own devices, we will not do it right and tomorrow that, is always one day away yeah and that's always important for christians too i mean we're definitely made to be there for one another to help encourage to teach to exhort one another yeah and to review and meditate every day he says, right. he says here that no principle of scripture memory is more important than the principle of review mm-hmm. yeah especially meditation and like we said earlier, meditation is deep thinking on truth on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture, or upon life from a scriptural perspective, for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. Yeah, yeah. I like the this quote from Thomas Watson, which David Mathis has said. He says the reason we come away so cold from reading the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Whitney compares meditation to the bellows on a fire. But you need to be warmed by that fire as well, not just stoking it up. Yeah. To get the benefits of it, all the benefits, as much as you can. And memorizing every day so that you don't just recall it when you're in the highs of your lives, but also in the down and lows. And just really repeating it to store those treasures up. Right. Like... David Mathis quotes from John Piper. 
Oh, the riches of understanding that come from lingering and thought over a new idea or new expression of an old idea. I would like this book to be read in the same way that the Apostle Paul wanted his letters to be read by Timothy. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. From 2 Timothy 2.7. It says, every book worth reading begins with the words, think over what I say. Hmm. When my sons complain that a book is too hard to read, I say, raking is easy, but all you get is leaves. Digging is hard, but you might find diamonds. Hmm. And that's from John Piper's book, Future Grace. Don Whitney here mentions Dallas Willard said in this regard as a pastor, teacher, and counselor, I've repeatedly seen a transformation of inner and outer life that comes simply from memorization and meditation upon scripture. Personally, I would never undertake to pastor a church or guide a program of Christian education that did not involve a continuous program of memorization of the choicest passages of scripture for people of all ages. Mm-hmm. And it's super important that we need to take and think of these things. So meditating, it's important. It's good. But how do we do that? Well, before we get there, let's not just quote people. Mm-hmm. Let's even point towards scripture. Okay. You get to Joshua 1.8 is the common one, right? Yes. I got it right here. Okay. If you... Go for it. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Yeah. I mean, even Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. I mean, two Old Testament verses that really point towards that. Psalm 119, 88 through 89. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that we're not just saying this because Donald Whitney does. We're not saying this because David Matthew no. is. Like, both of these men want you to point and understand that there's multiple biblical verses for the whole reason we need to have biblical intake. Why yeah. we have these spiritual disciplines. Yeah, this isn't something, this isn't 10 tips for a better successful life. This is, God's actually commanded to meditate on his word. Mm -hmm. He wants you to meditate on his word. All right. Yeah. And then James 1.25 also says, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in in what he does. So, you asked, what are some methods to application of meditation? What are some ways that we can be successful? Honestly, I didn't list all of them down. I, there's like 15. Oh, there's a lot of there's them. There's so we, many. There's a few that I think are, are really good. One I like is the repetition of mm-hmm. God's word. What he uses is the repetition of God's word and the emphasis of something different each yeah. time. What is the context around the passage? Uh, no. And growing up in seminary school, that's the first thing we're always yeah. taught. Context, context, context. context. That does help. Mm-hmm. And that I is think, actually one way that I've helped memorize. Well, we're not even like, just talking about memorizing. Well, this is just meditating. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one way I've helped memorize where sections are. Right. Do you want to know, for instance, someone says, 
I'm struggling with how the spirit works. Right. Oh, let's go to Romans chapter eight. Yeah, I mean that. You know, boom! I got that whole chapter, and I can I can spit out the verse, but I got the chapter right there. I've got that block sectioned out. I know this passage flows from this, mm-hmm. and it really just helps to understand and think about what's going on, like any story in the book. Mm-hmm. You understand the the blocks, the building blocks that are in there. Another one is besides context and repetition, is thinking of an illustration of the text. What picture explains it? I mean, yeah. those are good for those people who can doodle, who are artists. I mean, it doesn't have to be a perfect picture, but you can draw things to help understand it. Kind of sketch something out. Mm-hmm. And we pointed to another one earlier. It's like, how does the text point towards the law or the gospel? I mean, that's an important part of understanding where it fits in that meta narrative of scripture. Um, along those lines, how does the text point to something about Jesus? I mean, the Old Testament is chock full of these. I mean, that's how Jesus teaches the disciples about the gospel and what's mm-hmm. going on. Like he mentions the don't rush, but take your time. So instead of simply taking on a whole, in, in your Bible intake, I'm going to read six chapters today, and I'm going to read all six. Instead of doing that, it's hard to to chew that much. Right. So maybe a chapter. Then mm-hmm. maybe single out a verse in that chapter and try to chew on that if that's too much. Three verses. Whatever you feel comfortable. It's better that you take your time and understand and let it sink in than to try to chew enough. Yeah. Or you could definitely like read for breath, read a chapter, but then find the main important chapter mm-hmm. or something that summarizes that whole chapter for you mm-hmm. and chew on that. One thing I, going back with the Bible reading, when I would read, I used to do this, uh, I need to get back to it, is when I would read, I would then write it in my own words. And then I would read, let's say, the chapter, and I would single out the common themes in that chapter, and I would circle those words. And then I would try to say in my own words what those words are saying. So I basically write a little paragraph and say, this is what I think this is saying in my language. Mm-hmm. Yep. He says again, pray through the text. I mean, there's definitely ways that you can make your prayers by reading what scripture says. I mean, yep. we talked about that. Um, there's the interesting thoughts of asking the Philippians 4-8 questions. Hmm. It talks about whatever yep. is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, what is worthy of praise. Think upon these things. I mean, these are all questions that we can ask of the text that help to explain them, to help understand them, and really just help us to meditate better and apply to our lives. Set and discover a minimum number of insights from the text is a good one to look at and understand. You want to tell the story? No, you go ahead because I can't find it. (laughs) Okay. so I lost my page. (laughs) Donald Whitney has four friends who suggest that there's a legendary assignment by... Dr. Hendricks at Dallas Theological Seminary, or Howard Hendricks, that's what he puts him as. I was assuming doctor. And this man tells his students to come back to the next class with at least 25 observations on Acts 1 8. And if you know what Acts 1 8 is, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 25 insights. Man, that's a lot. But 
what happens after the, that day of class? He says, come back with 25 tomorrow. Yeah. And then after that class, he tells him, okay, see how many you can find past these 50. And he tells the students, like, when they think that they've exhausted everything, that the all-time record is over 600. <laughs> I, uh, I can say that in hermeneutics class, I had a similar experience, but it wasn't quite that much. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. We, we had the same passage of scripture, and we think we were told may have been like 20, I don't remember necessarily. It was like, it was a substantial amount. I remember it was like 20 or 30 observations from oh, the text. Oh, I remember you yeah. doing that, yeah. Yeah, and I had to, I was like, what in the world? Yeah, because I told you about this story yeah. that I had read. But these are just a few examples. I mean, they're not an exhaustive list. But the number one thing you need to remember to do in all these is to take your time. Yes. Go slowly. Studying and meditation is not something that you breeze through. It's no. not meant to be like a quick chew and swallow real fast. No, meditating is like a cow chewing on cut. Chew, 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 chew. Eat it, regurgitate it, chew it again, regurgitate it again. You're going to do that several times in the process. Yep, for sure. All right. And then the last one, I think, of all these sub-disciplines is applying God's word. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we really do need to think about this. How do we apply the word of God to everyday life? That's a tough one. I mean, it's a tough one to do to ourselves. Right. Sometimes we struggle with how to apply this text. How does this really fit? How does the story of Joseph have to do anything with me? Right. And we leave it up to pastors and teachers to tell us mm -hmm. at Sundays and Wednesday. But we don't always take the time to do it ourselves throughout the week. No. I mean, we said this before tonight of James 1, 22 through 25. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I mean, quoting Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I mean, both these point to how Scripture is preparing us for something and how we can't be equipped for every good work without it. No. I mean, we can try, but it's definitely something that we need to have in our belts. Yeah. It's more like if we're not trying to, we're not having a belt. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is both David Whitney and... I mean Donald Whitney. Or Donald Whitney and David Mathis both quote this from Thomas Watson. It says, take every word as spoken to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think thus. God means my sins. When it presses any duty, God intends me in this. Many put off scripture from themselves as if it only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But if you intend to profit by the word, bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it be applied. And there is a caveat with that when you're thinking about itself. 
Matt Chandler says it best. You are not David. I need to get that mug. <laughs> but you're not David. But it's important that we really do take time to apply the word in our lives and understand what it is saying in its original context mm. and getting its meaning and then applying that meaning to mm. our lives and seeing how it fits into our own yeah. status day. You got to understand that application can can change on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. How you apply a text in your life could change. The meaning of the text doesn't change. Right. But the way the text adheres to you in that moment does right. change. Right. So what we're basically trying to tell everybody is to exegete the word, mm-hmm. which is read the word based on its original, original con- intent and meaning and context. context. And, and not perform eisegesis, which, which is would be read. getting, which could be getting the application prior to your exegesis mm-hmm. is a good way to get eisegesis. Or to write your own application into scripture and what yes. it's not saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and obviously we do this through meditation, which is why we spend a bunch of time doing that. I mean, two other, or at least another verse for sure that says is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect from Romans twelve two. But man, that was a long episode. We haven't so done that since the beginning too. We haven't. I do want to end with this. He ends the book with a challenge. Uh-huh. And or I think ends the chapter? Ends the chapter, not the book. Yes. I was like, ends man, we're just on the <laughs> second thing. I'm going to read this little paragraph. Will you begin a plan of memorizing God's word? If you've been a Christian very long, you probably have already memorized much more scripture than you realize. One of the verses you may know is Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And he poses this question. Do you believe that verse is true? Do you believe that everything mentioned here includes scripture memory? Since you can do it, will you do it? And when will you begin? Oh, man. That's a challenge and a half. And then going on, will you cultivate the discipline of meditating on God's word? Occasionally, Godward thoughts are not meditation. And I quote, a man may think on God every day, said William Bridge, and meditate on God no day. God calls us through the scripture to develop the practice of dwelling on him in our thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Even thinking about Joshua 1.8. That's before he's going to the conquest of Canaan. Yeah. I mean, to lead the people of God in their conquest, God reminds Joshua to think on him, on his law, day and night. Yeah. I mean, even the, in the Shema, it tells them the same thing. Yeah. To even write his word on their doorpost. Yeah. And I think some of them actually did that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that was a ritual they did. Mm-hmm. But it really shows how important it is that we need to be steeping in God's word. I don't know if it was David Mathis or if it was him, but compared God's application to being like making tea. Mm. Yes. And now you have hot water. Yes, it was him. Okay. And the, the more you steep the tea, right? It, one simple dunk the water to be discolored, and it'll maybe have a hint of tea. But the mm-hmm. longer and the more times you steep that tea, the stronger the tea becomes. Right. 
Absolutely. I like this. I'm going to read this one more quote because this is just good. Going from to bridge. This is good. Oh, saith one, I would think on God with all my heart, but meditation work is a work of time. It will cost time, and I have no time. My hands are so full of business and so full of employment. I have no time for this work. Meditation is not a transient thought, but it is a work of time. And I will ask time, and I have no time. Mark, therefore, what the psalmist saith in Psalm 119. Lord, incline my heart unto thy testimonies, how so? Turn away my eyes from beholding vanity. The way to have one's heart inclined to the testimonies of God is to turn away one's eyes from the outward vanities. Would you therefore meditate on God and the things of God? Then take heed that your heart and your hands be not too full of the world and the employments thereof. Friends, there is an art and a divine skill of meditation, which no, which none can teach but God alone. Would you have it? Go then to God and beg God these things. Man, that's that's pretty deep. That was a deep way to end, to, to to summarize everything. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, tonight we cover biblical intake, and uh, it's kind of like a university and has different colleges that yeah. specialize in disciplines. The first one is hearing God's word. Second one is reading God's word. Third is studying God's word. Fourth is memorizing scripture. Fifth is meditating on God's word. And then last is applying God's word. I mean, those are all important disciplines that we need to remember and think about in scripture. Yeah. And keep in mind, like these things lay the foundation for the rest of the disciplines. Yes. There is no substitute for reading God's word. Right. You, it, There's no such thing. There's no substitute. No, and it really does shape and mold you. Yes. And it's part of the reason why we have to apply it and think about it. Yeah. I mean, what do you spend time doing? The more time you spend in something, the more it shapes you, the more you learn about it, the more you get to be better at it mm-hmm. if you take the time to diligently understand it. Absolutely. Yep. And don't worry. Make sure that you read it and humbly and not try to take pride in it because no, the one thing you'll learn very quickly is you cannot learn everything there is to know in the Bible. No. The one thing you do is the more you learn, you realize you don't know that much mm-hmm. to begin with. Yep, and that there is so much more to learn. There's so much more that you missed. Anyway, well, thank you all for listening to the Anchored by Faith podcast. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchoredbyfaithpodbean.com. Feel free to be on the lookout for the new podcasts. And remember that the idea is to help both you and us to be conformed to the image of God. And my name is Colton Wright. And my name is Logan Batisti. And I also want to make sure that you all remember, we're also on Twitter. We are on Twitter. It's on my notes. <laughs> you can find us, our Twitter handle. Is that, what you, is that what it's called? I think that's what it's called. Our birdie is at ROM829ABF. Yep. So thanks again for listening, guys. My name is Logan. My name is Colton. Good night. God bless.